Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Elizabeth, the Chief Product Officer at SixGill, and we discuss how SixGill is using AI to visually analyze data, what the future of AI will look like, and society's responsibility to keep technology in check. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, I like that last name. Any relation to Brittany? Um, I wish. No, but that is how I tell people, you know, over the phone to spell it. It's like Spears, like Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. That's such an easy name. I have to do like the whole, it's B as in boy, E-A, S as in Sam, L-E-Y thing. So I get my mail. <laughs> <laughs> It's rough. It's rough. I, I married into it. So, you know, I got, it, it got easier. My original last name was, I, I always had to spell that one. So I, I do feel your pain. I've been there. Oh, that's great. That's what this episode's about, actually. The pain of, of hard to spell last names. <laughs> good, good. I, I can really get into that. <laughs> so I'm really excited because you're like all educated in the AI space and I'm a super big geek. And you work at Six Gill. Is that am I pronouncing that right? That's right. It's a it's a type of shark, as you might imagine. It oh, has six gills. Oh, I win! My production team is freaking out. Right? Are you being serious? Is that really why it's named that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a whole story about you know sharks being really good with sensory information and <laughs> <laughs> you know complicated being able to find signal in a whole complicated environment. Um, but yeah, that's that's where it comes from. All right. So I was messing in the prep call. I was messing with Adam, our associate producer. And he, and I was like, he didn't ask like the name origin question. Cause I like that question. He didn't, he, he didn't put it in. And, uh, I was like, it's all right though. Cause I already know the origin. He goes, Oh, what is it? And I was like, okay. So this was, there was this one shark and he only had five gills. And then he got in a fight with this other shark and that like cut him near his gills, which created a six gill. And they're really into sharks. And it's just like a really badass shark with a six gill. And that's who they are. It's like for persistence, it's for everything. And right. it's in their culture. And he <laughs> thought I was like being serious. And it's actually connected to sharks. No, I mean, I, I think all of those things fit as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is very cool. Were you part of picking the name or did you join after? I was not. I, I joined after the name was picked. Shortly after, but um, yeah. So is it just the name inspired or do you guys do stuff with marine and biology or? Um, so we work on products that are really vertical. I mean, sorry, horizontal across the market. So we actually do have um, a uh, a prospect in the works that is is a marine use case, right? So being able to live sort different types of uh, fish or shellfish that come off the boat and um, and then connecting that with a, essentially a robot arm that will pick the ones that they want uh, versus kind of what they want to put back in the ocean. Oh, wow. You're going to help, help with some automation. Now Discovery Channel won't be able to air their Arctic fishing series anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, that's way beyond what, what we can do. <laughs> It'll turn into like a how it's made where it's just this like monotone voice describing and then the arm picks up. the. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to add some. It's like it's like the election guys are doing right now. You know, there's almost no new information all the time, but they're still 
adding intrigue to it. It's like breaking news, seven more votes counted in Georgia. <laughs> It'll have to be like that. You know, it's like the arm picked exactly the right fish. Exactly. When when I was eating dinner the other night, like the, the election night, and I was, I was asking my wife, I was like, hey, what time do you think the results are going to come in? I was like, I don't know. So I did a quick Google and like the top result was that one of the networks had started coverage at 7 a.m. that morning. And I was like, what are you going to talk from? They don't even like the first vote doesn't even roll until 7 p.m. You did a 12 hour head start. I thought that was phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I have to hand it to them. They can they they can really talk about very little new information in a in, you know, a pretty compelling way. <laughs> so how did you how did you get involved with this type of technology? So I, um, it's a good question. I came up doing a lot of big data and big data analytics, and and one of the early project that I projects that I worked on was kind of early AI for um, a teaching troops to go into um, kind of battlefield scenarios and being able to communicate kind of respectfully and. Um, understand the culture. And basically the, the what we found through many studies is the mortality rate um, when they can communicate, you know, in the language and things like that goes, goes way, way down for those troops. And so that was kind of the first thing that we did. That was a, it was, a, it was a language and culture training that was really kind of early AI based where depending on what you said, you know, they would say something back in their language that was appropriate. And it allowed the troops to um, really immersively uh, understand what, or kind of learn uh, the language and the culture of those, of those areas that were, they were being deployed into. So that was kind of the first piece. And then, like I said, more big data analytics and, and sort of just built from there and, and um, IoT essentially. So this, this uh, six skill has its roots in IoT. And so there's a, a natural progression from the big data analytics to IoT. And then from there, what we found is really to make IoT valuable, not just to be collecting all of the data in the world, um, but for, to make it actionable and valuable you you um, most often you need to be able to apply AI or some kind of machine learning on top of that. So you're really getting the signal that people care about out of out of all of that noise. And what's the, what's the biggest challenge in that getting the signal out of the noise? Um, so I think I mean in the market what we're seeing right now is that it's so fragmented, right? So enterprises are having a a lot of trouble being able to just solve the problems they need to be able to solve, right? So if you look at, you know, the AI market as a whole, there's there's people doing great things in, in pieces of this, right? So there's great ML ops and there's a great, you know, visual data labeling tool and there's great uh, ways to train your model. But having all of those pieces in one place um, is really a, a, a blank space, right? And that's what we're filling is being able to, um, build highly accurate models really quickly and then deploy those and scale those and monitor the whole thing and continuous training, right? So even with the big clouds that have all of those individual pieces, what we're hearing is um, there's still a lot of glue and a lot of specialized engineering that you need to, to get that end-to-end -end platform and to be able to scale it and be able to build those models quickly. 
Um, so yeah, so that's what we did. We put it all in one place and, and infused machine learning throughout. So it's simple and accessible for more than just data scientists and machine learning engineers, because especially in the visual kind of computer vision type of cases, um, you need subject matter expertise to train those models. You need um, people that know, um, you know, for they know the the how to to say what's what's right and what's wrong, or or you know what this movement is called in yoga or whatever it is, right? Um, so you need to be able to bring in that collaboration and make it really simple and in many cases a, a no code solution. But but I'm sure you know this in in AI and ML, it you need a lot of data to make it accurate and to make it work well. And so that's another piece that our end-to-end -end solution really helps with is when you can just connect a camera or connect data sources and sort of it's it's um, suggesting what you need to be able to let label and, and helping you understand that data balance, um, the problems get solved, right? So what we've seen in, internally is we have a lot of we take over a lot of failed projects <laughs> for, that that come to us from other companies, and it's on timelines like they spent, you know, six months to a year trying to, um, you know, do gas leak detection, and and we get in there and we have been able to, you know, the specific customer is is doing exactly that gas leak detection, and we were able to help them build a model in three weeks and they have deployed it now, and then they're adding more models to the platform and, and they can maintain them and scale them. And so again, it's just making it accessible to, to people to be able to use this really powerful technology in a way that's straightforward and simple and transparent. I love that because for about 10 years, I had an app company and our specialty was failed projects because the only way I got business was people <laughs> just knew my reputation. And then, so they, I would get customers and they'd say, Hey, this, this person, and I was like, okay. And then I looked back, like I never did that intentionally. That was never my like goal, but I just looked back. I was like, all right, I specialize in like failed project <laughs> takeovers. And they're the best customers too. Cause they love you so much when you like the gas yeah. leak company, they're going to like shout the praises of the sixth skill forever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really like that. Right. And, and one of them we took over from, you know, one of the major clouds, right. And it was, again, it was almost a year they spent on it. They never got past 80% accuracy for this specific use case that they were trying to do. And again, we came in and in two weeks, we were above 99% accuracy. And, and, and you're right. They're just like, wow, we, we didn't think that was possible. And um, so it's really rewarding and we can, we can create really good um, sort of partnerships with our customers, which is always really nice too. That is cool. What what type of these, like the partnerships with the customers, so what do your customers look like? Yeah, so um, it really varies, like I was saying. So because the technology itself applies horizontally across markets, it's like, you know, we have customers in agriculture that want to be able to identify you know, bruised fruit, right? So they can they can um, sort fruit faster, and or being able to count cows accurately. So um, that seems like a relatively <laughs> straightforward problem, but but when you have a camera um, and you have cows moving in different directions, being able to understand exactly the correct number 
um, is, is, you know, you just, you need an end-to-end platform that can solve that kind of problem quickly. And then we have, you know, some of my favorite uh, cases are in pharmaceuticals. So we have customers that are working on models for um, remote um, uh, medical trials, clinical trials. And, and so in cases like um, MS, multiple sclerosis, when you have a camera, you can start to understand more accurately someone's gait over time or uh, endos- uh, endoscopy, right? So, so one of the things that's really interesting about that is it's uh, low resolution images, which is harder for human eyes, but, but that's you know one of the places where computer vision can really excel because it can pick out those patterns in that low resolution data. And so it's contributing to things like better outcomes in um, finding polyps or ulcers or things like that and all different types of imaging. Um, so yeah, so it's a really, <laughs> it's really horizontal and, and, and people don't necessarily think about all the things that can be vision data, right? So like audio can be rendered as images, uh, spectroscopy data can be rendered as images x-rays, all those kinds of things. So there's, there's a, a ton out there for, um, for people to be able to solve this way. So because you're solving this with like a suite of tools and you can go so many different places in the market, how does that affect how you as like an executive team approach the market? Are people thinking they're like consumers and they think, well, you know what I see on the movies and on my phone, like I think we, these cameras should be able to count these cows, right? Uh, um, and let's go find someone who can do it. Or are you guys like knocking on the door and saying, Hey, do you want us to count your cows? Like, how does, how does the cow counting happen? Um, so some of both. So that one again was, was a failed, um, project and we sent out emails in, in agriculture generally to explain that, you know, Hey, you don't, you don't have to piece all these things together anymore. It doesn't take months. It can take weeks. Um, and then those teams, they, they understand the problems that they need to solve, right? And that there's a lot around imagery and cam- cameras. So they, they came, you know, responded to that campaign and said, hey, you know, can you help? Um, so it's some of both, right? And we also reach out to uh, engineers. Um, we're building up a, a developer program because that's a, it, they're horizontal, right? They understand the problems that they need to solve and they're, they're really good at applying applying the technology to, to do that. That is so cool. That sounds like you get, you're like a kid in the candy shop. You get to work on all these different types of problems and (laughs) yeah, yeah. it's, it's really fun. Um, and, and it's really fun because we can enable these use cases that in many cases weren't necessarily possible to solve before. Right. So until pretty recently, like the, um, processing power, the GPUs just, uh, you know, it, it, the power wasn't there, the TPUs, the uh, being able to deploy models down to the edge and run them without connectivity. A lot of times this, you know, we can use almost any type of camera, almost any camera. We can do infrared, <laughs> you know, thermal, all these types of things. And so it becomes a platform where people can, like you said, just do so many different types of solutions. And then they aren't reinvesting in kind of these verticalized solutions for every kind of problem that they have. They're like, okay, we have this centralized place. We can, you know, build these models really rapidly and then we can scale them. So it's largely like, you're not going cold to a company that has like no technologist and counting their cows. Uh, Largely these companies, um, and I'm, 
I'm I'm just making a joke because it's like I don't want people to think you actually only do cow cow. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's just the analogy i'm running with today yes yeah yeah so they already have teams in place they're solving these problems they're trying to put this stuff together it's like the per i always like this one this one analogy of sales when i was first learning sales a few years ago i was like it's so easy to sell someone a hammer when they have a nail and nothing to hit it with right and so you've got these people that are like searching around like what do i hit this nail with and you're like we've got the best hammer and they're like well i was using the bottom of my shoe and an old book i had and you're like no 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 here's the hammer yeah right? it, it's exactly like that and and um what we've seen especially in like places like healthcare is a lot of those companies have are trying to roll out an ai plan they have an ai plan but they're hitting a lot of roadblocks right there's a, a lot of them are ending up trying to piecemeal put these things together because, you know, because it is so fragmented. And, um, and so it, it, yeah, it's just kind of a, a, a struggle there. Um, and so when we say, hey, it's all in one place, we've got transparency across the board. And, um, and you can, you can build these models and deploy them. It's like, ah, that's, that's the thing I was looking for. So it, it's it's nice because I think we're very much in a time where people or enterprises are trying to solve these AI problems. They're aware of it. They know that it can um, do so many types of things that they didn't necessarily have a solution for in the past. Um, so they're looking for it, but they need they need all the pieces to be in one place and they need it to be simplified. Um, one of the what kind of analogies that I use is what those major clouds did for infrastructure. Right. So before, when you needed to launch a new product or you were a new startup, you know, you had to make that huge upfront investment in engineering and infrastructure cost and putting the software on top of that, being able to monitor it, all of it. Right. And they changed all of that. Right. You can now you can just throw up some code, tear it down, um, try again. And so that's what we're trying to do for AI and, and especially computer vision is hey, like you can just sign up with this thing. It, it integrates really easily with the rest of your enterprise tools and um, you can start building models and testing them really quickly. And so that's, you know, that's kind of our, our mission is making this really accessible so people can solve that type of problem. Like the, you know, the oil and gas example is, is really around safety. So there was a new regulation and in the past, they would essentially periodically send out a truck with this really specialized um, camera and they would check if there is leak, right? But there was a new regulation and I'm very much paraphrasing here, <laughs> but basically uh, if it's, you know, within some distance of a residential area, you have to have 24 seven monitoring of that camera. So either you're, you know, hiring someone to sit and stare at that camera all the time, or you can build a model around being able to accurately see that gas, you know, gas leak detection and, and make all of those residential areas a little more safe. Um, so. That's pretty cool. I like it. So if I want to play with this, is this like a thing where I have to call up sales or is it self-serve? So we um, have launched a 30-day trial self-serve of our data labeling tool. So it's, um, it's, it's a ML accelerated data labeling. I don't know if you've had to uh, felt the pain of visual data labeling before, but basically in a lot of cases, you know, you're really manually drawing like boxes around the thing that matters or, you know, painstakingly making 
drawing polygons around every individual cow or <laughs> going with the analogy. Um, and uh, what we've done is we've, again, kind of put infused ML throughout that process. So um, so it's faster to label all those things. You can pre-label them with existing models. Um, and, and we're adding more and more of those types of things as we go. How many cows per minute can I label with that? <laughs> we actually have a little video. Um, I, I could make it up, but it's a lot of cows. <laughs> it's a lot of cows. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, basically you're just labeling a few and then it starts to label it for you. So, oh, that's pretty cool. So you start, you start drawing the polygons and then it gets smarter and smarter as you're sitting there doing it. And eventually you're done. Yeah. So, so that feature we're, we're almost at, at, um, at launching, but not quite yet. So the, the one that you can use now is you draw a box around it and then it snaps exactly to the outline of the cows. Um, so that Got one, it. that one will accelerate it for sure. We'll just do it. A lot of technologists do and be like, it's ready. We're, we're still working on it a little bit. We've got a little touch up to do, <laughs> oh, but no, it's, it's out so there. Close. It's, it's live. So <laughs> <laughs> we're one no. cow away <laughs> but that's the part that, yeah i know that's the part that's so fun though um is that we can just like the the innovation and um kind of the the ability to to add more types of models for different purposes and things like that that are part of this tool set for people to use um is just you know so ongoing there's always there's always more to add and more to kind of innovate there so it's pretty fun yeah, we were checking out your blog and the company has a pretty sweet blog, which is like some companies have blogs where they just have it because they have to have it. And some companies have blogs. You guys are close to like becoming a media company, essentially, <laughs> with your AI ML news on there. Yeah, we have an amazing developer evangelist named Sage, and uh, he's he's incredible. And our whole marketing team is is really great. So. Um, and, and they just love it. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. They, <laughs> they, they, um, it's, it's really fun stuff to work on and it's really fun in the developer community because, you know, so many developers want to be able to get into computer vision and machine learning. And, and a lot of times because it, again, because it's so fragmented and you have to build out all of these individual parts just to be able to try it or deploy something, it's hard to know where to start. And so Sage does these you know, awesome kind of where to start with computer vision or data labeling or all of those um, types of tutorials to, to help people get started and start to learn kind of the fundamentals of it. I asked my team like what their favorite blog articles were. And uh, one of them said that the Virginia Tech using natural language processing to better understand flavor descriptions of whiskey. That was <laughs> that on was, a blog. Yeah, we, we liked it when the whiskey one came out. There was a lot of slack whiskey emojis you know in the response <laughs> to that <laughs> i love it i just put like a little buffalo icon for like buffalo trace right oh good one yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm a i'm a uh a whiskey american whiskey connoisseur so i can Ooh. i can get behind it <laughs> our producer jake is like really into it i for for one of his trips he actually went out to where they make the log of woolen or i'm not saying it correctly but some other country the scotch, right they, yeah yeah the scotch yeah. Yeah. yeah he's into all types of like different alcohols the whiskeys and the scotches me personally i'm really really into water <laughs> the h2o there's something about the yeah i mean it's really good for you you know there's yeah. there's been a lot out there about that yeah 
<laughs> that's that's the best topic conversation. Let's talk about how water is good for you. <laughs> okay. So so far, the major topics here are last name, spelling difficulties, cow counting, Cows. and water. Yeah. yeah, there we go. All the major points. N- nuclear fusion was another article. They were using ML to increase the yield of nuclear fusion. I was like, that sounds so. I'm a fan of like we should be progressing nuclear. I know people are scared oh. of it from the back in the day, but did you see that? Uh, you know, Bill Gates documentary. I think that's what got me all excited about nuclear because it makes complete sense. They're like, there were these problems, there were these really old facilities. I'm paraphrasing something I watched a long time ago, but the bottom line, like there was an accident, but that was like ridiculously old technology back before we even had modern computing systems the way we do. And I'm like, absolutely. uh, I think it was the airship carriers that use these nuclear reactors that can go you know, they have all the planes on them and stuff. They can go like a hundred, I think it was like 130 years. Yeah. Yeah. Power that, like, that ship. We yeah. have like one facility somewhere that has the enough, you know, it's just nuclear waste. Right. And there's, or mm. there's enough of it that would power the entire world for whatever it is, some like 60 years or something like that. Um, and it's just, it, it's one of those things where I, it, um, the technology is there and we just need to get kind of the, the rest of society around getting comfortable with it. I think there's an analogy for AI in general um, with that too, because there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of controversy around being able to use it for kind of responsibly and transparently and, and enterprises are really uh, to their credit. They're really trying to do that right. You know, um, I hear that a lot. I think, especially in like healthcare and, and a number of other places, they they want to be able to make sure there aren't bias in the models and and all of those pieces. And that's that's a big initiative that we have internally as well. Is um, because we have the end to end platform, like you can connect the cameras, the the data's there. We can you know see your balance of data and the training and all of those pieces are in one place as opposed to kind of everywhere and hobbled together. We can provide that end-to-end auditing, understanding, um, you know how the model is being made, what data it's being made with, and then really enable people to to do the right thing, right? To have that transparency, documentation, and all of those pieces that that um, make it clear that you're you're doing it the right way, right? Yeah, because things can be misunderstood in hindsight. Like when, you know, I think one of the more popular cases that got everyone really upset was about like the face detection based off of skin color, like different pigmentations have different success rates. Okay, well, that's like not something somebody did intentionally. Like this is something that we were just going along, progressing humanity, doing our best, (laughs) and then we noticed a problem. And now we go fix the problem. It's not like we go there and blame everybody for making progress. It's like, okay, here's, there's a problem. Now let's go solve that problem and just keep moving the ball forward. Yeah. And I think there's so many, it's, um, the causes can be misconstrued, right? Because, because in some case, you know, there's the, there's sort of the really complicated cases in, in autism autonomous driving where the person or the car has to decide between, you know, running off the road or, (laughs) or hitting a person. Right. Um, but in most cases, training a, 
um, a non-biased model is really just about the data that goes in, you know? So it's like, if I have a data set that has, you know, an unbalanced data set that has 70 pink cows and three blue cows, it's not going to be very good at detecting blue cows. Um, and so that's one of the things that we want to be able to give people visibility into is their data balance um, and, and balancing those data sets. And by the way, that's what makes um, your model more accurate overall and in more situations anyway. So it, it, it just makes sense to do it from the start kind of the right way. Yeah, well, and because we're aware of that now, building this next generation of tools that you guys are building, you can put into those things that maybe people aren't thinking about, you know, maybe I'm sitting there and I happen to only have white cows at my farm. So I'm just training it with a bunch of white right. cows, but I'm off. But now I'm going to like bring this pro I'm going to sell it to other people other than just me. The, my down the street, I have some other cow farmers I'm going to sell it to them. And then I sell it to them and then it's not working right. And the cows are simply miscounted because there's Brown cows over there, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's what happens. Um, and, and one of the advantages of being able to, again, have this end to end platform is then you have all of the new, new data just coming into one place. And it's a matter of like, okay, I'm going to label these brown cows now. And then, and then your model's more accurate and your data is more balanced too. I love it. I love it. So when you were like a kid, were you dreaming about doing this type of stuff or what did you want to be when you grew up? No, I played competitive soccer <laughs> for um, for most of my childhood, and then I I actually went to UCLA as a well I I was supposed to play soccer for UCLA, and then I tore my knees apart, and um, I went to UCLA as a neuroscience major, and I did a kind of volunteer sort of rotation at the hospital, and realized that, you know, uh, I, I, the amount of strength that it takes and to, to show up for people on their worst day, most times kind of over and over again. Um, I have a sister that is incredible at that. Uh, but for me, that was, that was something I was like, okay, I need to sort of rethink this. And that's when I essentially just read the course catalog <laughs> at UCLA and and landed on cognitive science, which at the time was essentially a double major. It was kind of before human-computer interaction existed. So it was a double major in like computer science and sort of psychology, human-computer interaction type of thing. Um, so I kind of just stumbled, stumbled upon it, really. Nice. And did, do you think that your background in competitive sports, like those aspects of your personality, do you think that gave you an advantage professionally or as you, as you went through college? I think I definitely draw on it. Right. So I, I, there's so many great lessons that like team sports teach you, you know, and it's so many lessons around, around kind of meeting people where they are, being able to motivate your teammates, um, in a way that it is, you know, will resonate. And then, and then also sort of practicing together, right? There's so much in, in my mind, in leadership around um, just explaining the why over and over again for everyone in the way that they need to hear it. And, um, you know, different people need to hear the 
the um, explanation for their specific thing that they're doing in a little bit of a different way and being able to do that well. And then, and then that analogy really turns into sort of when you're at game day, you know, uh, at a game, there's this thing that happens where you've practiced so much and you've communicated so much that you just, everyone knows what they're going to do, right? There's these magical moments where you can barely move up and you just kick the ball and someone's exactly in that place. <laughs> um, so I, I think it works like that, you know? I 100% agree. It's like conditioning, it's training. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And being aware of that and having words to talk about it with your team. Like for me, when I was first making the transition from strictly software developer to leading a team, I'd get so frustrated because I'd say things like, man, this is, this is annoying because I constantly have to repeat myself. When I write code, I write the line of code and it's there as long as the drive exists in the universe, right? It's like the data on the drive and it's there and it's not going to change and that that's it. And then here, now I have to say things multiple times. You know, if I could have like known that in 10, 15 years, I'd be like public speaker. That's like all you do. You <laughs> memorize the talk and you go around the world and say the talk. I mean, there's over variants. And over again. But yeah, but you've given talks like conferences and after a couple of times of giving the talk, you're like, yep, you have to get used to repeating yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I always sort of wonder, you know, the the people internally there, they must just, you know, if they, if they hear it over and over again, it's like, Oh, she's telling the same, she's telling the same story about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it, so much of it is just repeating, repeating that mission and that goal and making sure people understand the why behind what they're doing. And then, you know, they're, they're empowered to make those decisions and, and it, uh, it, it ends up in that essentially that synergy where we all know, you know, where we're run, running and and we're kind of coordinated. Yeah, when when I'm around like my wife because she has to hear all my stories constantly, I just change them, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll just take the same story. And the first time she noticed I was doing it, she's like, "You never said it was raining that day." I go, "I have no idea if it was raining that day." I go, "I'm in, I'm interjecting like more interesting because I have to hear myself tell the story." <laughs> I'm sitting like driving this animal named Joel and I'm like I don't want to hear the story again let's just change it up slightly as long as the principle and the message hits home it doesn't really matter what it was like that day you gotta add that intrigue you know 12 more counts voted in Georgia <laughs> <laughs> how do I make that interesting <laughs> there you, that is exactly it that and it's gonna be so dry too when they try to do it <laughs> they keep doing it's like breaking news critical election update i love the music too it's like they're just gonna cut they're just gonna like they're just gonna have the animation people constantly make like the animation longer to take up more airtime. update coming soon in three in 27 minutes you know it's just gonna keep changing and getting more crazy but i'm looking forward to figuring out like one of the things that was interesting like quick about the election is I started reading about, you know, more about how it happens and researching. So there's the popular vote, then there's the electoral vote that happens on like the December 15th or 14th. And then they hand that to like, I think the, the head of the Senate. And I think that's Mike Pence. Um, and everybody will hate me if I'm wrong right now, but then, then they open that and then there's ability to challenge. And then it's like this whole entire long process. So I'm not refreshing my feed every five minutes because it it's not even going to technically matter until 
the electorals cast their vote because you can defect and like in 80% of states, there's it's like a fine or a low penalty. I think only like a couple states have jail time for defecting and like voting against it. So who knows? Yeah, no, I've seen those. I've seen those videos of like, these are the holes in our democracy. <laughs> and so many of the things are just, um, you know, they're, they're common practices as opposed to actually in law that you have to do it that way. Um, so I hope, I hope after this, we can address some of those things and make sure it's super clear. My, my husband is a, is a history buff. And so he, he'll always um, kind of make analogies to some historical moment. And he's like, this is exactly what happened in Rome. They just had a lot of, like, they, it wasn't set in law. And, you know, it was just that everyone happened to do it that way. And there was a peaceful transfer of power. And then, you know, I, I forgot who it was that came in and just, you know, blew it all up and then the fall of Rome and all of those things. So, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's fascinating as humans, like how the laws work and then there's like the public understanding and then there's the actuality mm. and then there's yeah. like, you know, you watch movies and you see how lawyers work in court and that is not at all, like even remotely close to what happens. <laughs> and it's like, if you've ever been in court, it's like they're speaking different languages and you don't even know what's really going on. And you're just like, what happened at the end? Cause everyone's kind of like emotionless and just transactional. And uh, it's just a, uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's like, it's weird parts of life. Life is very strange and complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, it's it's similar to the nuclear power uh, sort of topic also, where so many parts of kind of the democratic system, things like gerrymandering, right, or the voting system, if if we could apply technology and in, in you know best practices and the in the way that really good technologists know how to do it, so many of those problems could be fixed, right? Um, but there's just, there's so much resistance in kind of trusting the technology and how it would really get implemented. And, you know, obviously it gets very complicated at that large of a scale. So, um, yeah. It's happening though. Like some countries and some localities yeah. are actually yeah. implementing like your, the ability to vote from your phone. Yeah. And I mean, I, one of the, I mean, one of the reasons I think there's been such a huge voter turnout, like record voter turnout is people, you know, actually got absentee ballots. So they didn't have to go somewhere. And I just imagine if if you could really do that on your phone instead of even having to fill that out and put it in a physical mailbox, how how many more people would vote? Right. And it's like I went and voted in person and you just show them your ID. I was actually pretty happy because this is the first election that I've ever voted in. And so I, you know, showed on my ID, a lady looked at it and was like, okay, handed me a piece of paper, marked it up, put it into a Scantron machine, like I'm in middle school and <laughs> getting a test. And then that was it and got my sticker and I was on my way. And I was like, there is no, there is like, how would it be any less secure? It's it, what's happened. I think is I watched some of these, um, uh, like live streams of our government and the people that are making these decisions about like tech, like I saw them like grilling Facebook and, and oh. like the different tech companies. Oh. I'm like, who, I who are these people? They have <laughs> negative qualifications. Like, I don't know what, what they do or it's, it's, it's like your grandparents who are like, how do you use that? And it's like, they don't understand. Things have just moved so fast. I mean, just yeah. 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 Can you delete your profile? Things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's like, 
you could definitely assemble a group of experts on technology to be able to inform those conversations. Like <laughs> exactly. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Those, that was, that was hard to watch. But you know what? I have hope though, because things move forward, right? They, there's limitations on how long people can serve. People get old and retire right. and then another generation comes in and, you know, then we just make some more progress. I, I really believe that our progress right now is mostly limited by the societal issues um, with humans over the technological capabilities. Like we could do so much more. Yeah. But it's just it's a slow process. Yeah, and 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 sometimes it's a slow process for good reason, right? So like I think in tech we're we're very used to the move fast and break things kind of um mentality although I think as we've all of us have kind of grown up in technology it really changes once you're you're now you can be the sort of the backbone of of someone's entire business or you know you really have to be reliable but um but i think i think there's something around the education in in the in society about how it works and um how it can be ethical and and where the edges are right making sure that you understand if there's a huge deployment what you know what could go wrong how can people exploit it you know all of those pieces um just need to be sort of methodically addressed as we try to, you know, hopefully roll out, you know, new, new technology. But, but again, there needs to be like a committee for that or, you know, a a disciplined effort to, to, to do that. Right. Yeah. Move fast and break things works well with code deployment, not so much with humanity. Right. (laughs) We kind of want (laughs) to, It's it's a good thing. I think that's we're all, the soundbite. Like, that's the yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. I like to look at us as like you know one big organism. Like just a, it's a fun thought experiment. Like you see a pile of ants, you kind of like say, okay, they're all just like it's like an ant colony. It's like that's them, and there's different parts of it. And so I always like to look at that. And every part, usually, whenever I get frustrated, I flip it and get curious because I'm like, oh, it's so slow. And I'm like, well, there's probably a reason why. Like. You know, so that the, the the younger generations don't, you know, drive us off a cliff. Because I like to think about when I'm that old person, and you know, the younger people are like, I don't know, using Neuralink and jumping their consciousness between bodies, and they're at like a group consciousness party where there was like eight consciousness in one human, and it overloaded. And was that moral? Because the eight people are lost now, and and we're sitting there like, uh, and they're like, you guys don't know how to transition between you know polyorganic entities, and we're like, that's not even a word. <laughs> yeah, it's coming for us for sure. <laughs> what do you think of Neuralink? You're you're kind of nerdy. You follow that stuff. You follow Neuralink. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, I just, I love, well, sorry, this isn't exactly Neuralink, but I love following the kind of cases in medical, right. Where it's like, um, you can't, you can't, uh, like people that are paraplegic and things like that. And then they can, you know, start communicating with their mind and the computer and things like that. So it's so amazing. Like that, that kind of thing is really, you know, human progress at its best i think it is and that's i think that's one of the things that Neuralink's similar to you know your company because in the in the sense that you're building these 
infrastructure style tools, like low level tools. And that's one of the visions of the Neuralink is that they're really doing the hardware and they're doing like all the aspects of it to really understand it. And then people can build these better, you know, instances on top of it and these like user specific applications on top of it. Um, Cause I was watching their press release and I can't remember the metric they were using, but they were like an order of magnitude better uh, like reading neurons than any other device on the market. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's get an SDK for that. <laughs> exactly. Let's go. <laughs> I was talking to my dad about it at dinner the other night and he goes, you know what we could do? We should make a lightweight version of that and embed it into a dog and it like text us when the dog has to pee. And I was like, that could, that was probably like very few, very few things to have to read and understand. We could probably do that pretty quick. And I was like, you guys just got a new puppy. So it's on your mind. <laughs> I was like, you yeah. cleaning up a lot of puppy pee. He's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what an engineer, right? <laughs> That's the invention he's daydreaming of. <laughs> That's how it works though. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of a, 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 a friend of ours made, uh, basically it was a camera for his baby and it gave him an alert every time the pacifier fell out of its mouth when it was sleeping. So he could like, go for the back end, right? It's just like such an engineer solution to his current problem. Oh, before I, before the kid, I, I have two kids, but before the first one actually arrived, I was like, all right, I'm going to create this soundproof pod with like air conditioning. <laughs> and like, I was going to build this and I'll just put the kid in it. And it can cry its face off and I'll be sitting there and be quiet as anything. And then you get a kid and you're like, that would be like child abuse. You could not yeah. do that. You don't understand <laughs> these things. You're like holding the kid and it's yours. But it's like, you would, I would, ne I won't even put them in their room and like lock them in their room. That's like, it's, it's, you become empathetic to like see their point of view and from their age. And it's like this weird set of software that flips on in your brain and you're just like, Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it's interesting. I, I think um, the sort of empathy for uh, uh, kind of meeting, meeting kids where they are is a, is such a, it's such a skill to kind of acquire and, and, and it's really, it's, in some ways, I I uh, make an analogy to product management, right? <laughs> this is gonna let's do it. Let's I, do I'm gonna it. get you there. So, um, in in product management, right, you're taking in all of this information, and um, people ask for very specific things, right? They're like, I want to just be able to do this one thing. And then when you take a step back and you hear, you know, 70 people ask for something very similar, it's like the thing that they actually need is very different than the thing that they're asking for. And so it's kind of similar with kids, right? There's so many words that come out and feelings and emotions. And it's like, okay, what is the thing that you actually need? And it's, it's just that flip in kind of how you interpret what's coming at you. Well, you can translate it right back to team <laughs> leadership too, right? Yeah. <laughs> full circle for you <laughs> yeah what's the root of this problem because they're not really mad at me i didn't really do anything but you you get like offended you're like oh what are they do why are yeah. they yelling at me do you hate me <laughs> and i'm like there's no there's no reason they hate me or but, are you just hungry <laughs> yeah <laughs> and sometimes you're like it's a little bit of both <laughs> <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> uh, so 
All right. I was looking at some of the different like old movies, like old sci-fi movies about predictions that had come that are like coming true today. Mm-hmm. Do you have any off the top of your head? Like when you were watching, you know, movies when you were younger, is there anything that you saw in the movies that now exists today? I'm going to be such a bad person to answer this question. So I constantly just disappoint my friends and colleagues for having very little pop culture reference from kind of when we grew up. So my parents were very intentionally trying to make us, you know, not watch the TV. We weren't allowed to have the video games. I give my mother so much trouble now because I was like, you know, one of my first jobs was in video games. And I was like, that was just job preparedness (laughs) 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 that you denied me. Um, But no, we had approximately three movies growing up. One was Three Ninjas. uh, The other was Home Alone. And the third was Cool Runnings. So Cool um, Runnings, (laughs) yes. Yeah, I think there were just so few movies back then. Right. Come we on. just also just like we didn't have cable TV. There, there was a physical lock on like the uh, uh, the wiring of the TV. So like if my parents would leave, we we couldn't just like turn on the TV. We had to actually go outside and play. It was terrible. I've never seen anything like it since. Like I, I, I don't even know what that lock thing was. It was the it was necessity. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I I have not watched a lot of sci-fi movies, kind of disappointingly. Uh, yeah. But my my dad growing up, my dad was really like anti TV. Uh, mm-hmm. and but my mom was like, let them watch the TV because they're hard to deal with. True, like <laughs> yeah. fair enough, right? And uh he, my dad would be like, it rots your brain. So like we had limits on the TV and how much we could watch. And there was definitely limits on like what we could and couldn't watch, right? Growing up. But uh I remember my dad just saying that, like, oh, Roger Brain, it turns you into a zombie. And then I remember him saying that when we're like eight years old. And then having a kid now, like, when they're watching the TV, I can't, like, I put my no. hand in front of their face. Like, they're they are, gone. They are, they are in another universe. Yeah. Out of body experience. Yep. Yeah. It's terrifying. And I mean, I think also just the being a parent these days is so much more technology wise, so much more complicated with kind of social media and navigating that and and yeah and just like having to it's having to actively not allow the screen to raise your children right (laughs) it's 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 hard it's hard sometimes you just are like it's such an easy answer sometimes but well it's important too like to just be involved right like to parent right to understand like we, we have this little Amazon fire type thing, which is made for kids. And so it's just got all these like little games and stuff. Right. So we yeah. checked it out and we looked through it. And we're like, all right, you can play with this thing because you're just going to learn problem solving and puzzles, uh, which you're going to need later anyways. But it's amazing how they can do these things before they can even form full sentences. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Um, maybe like Olio. I don't know the name of it, but basically it's like a tablet and then it'll project sort of like things that onto the like iPad that you can play with for the kids. I, sorry, I'm not describing well, but um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. What is, what is that thing called? I don't know, but they did it in, with like keyboards in the early 2000s and they were like horrible, but it was funny to kind of see they'd project like a red keyboard onto the table and you could use it. Yeah. And yeah. But, but there's, um, but essentially it's like they have, kits for so many of those different things so it's like i i got um 
my niece, one of the coding kits. Right. And it's, and Mm -hmm. you know, she's like four years old, five years old, and you can connect these blocks and make sort of the building blocks of being able to code. So, I mean, there's total pros and cons to it. (laughs) You know, there's, there's, again, it's like all technology, it can be used well and, and kind of for good or, or, or not. If you could think back to like when we were children and the amount of technology that existed, it was like, we go to Radio Shack, and like buy diodes and like play with them oh, a little bit, yeah. you know, or those circuitry or, kits. Yeah. Yeah. But what we have today for like a few dollars buying like one of the Adrenos or whatever the, the small oh, yeah. kits are, and you could build like robot dinosaurs and it's so cheap and because it's all just like little plastic electronics. It's very, it's not expensive materials. And you can just buy these kits, build 700 things for $40. And it's like, what? The the educational aspect of that on the generation so early and being so cheap and accessible, I'm very excited for it, right? Because yeah. it, like, it wasn't cool to do the programming stuff when I was in high school or middle school. And I was like the the weird one. And that was fine, right? Because I had, a, I had a stepsister who was like only a week younger than me. So she would bring her friends over. So like, I got to like come out of my room and interact with some people and then that were my age and then go back into my room. And so I didn't have to like maintain friends because my stepsister was so social, she'd bring everybody over. Yeah. And so that worked out pretty well. But um, yeah, it's it's fascinating what's going to happen. Like the impacts of there being so little technology when I was a kid to now it being so accessible when I'm, I'm hoping that somebody can figure out how to make us like live a couple hundred extra years by the time I'm... 80. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. I mean, drinking water is like high That's on it. that list. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. I, I was so happy. Like, I wanted to cry. I, I was like, to, to find out that it's actually connected to a shark, uh, the, the name. <laughs> That just made my day. It really, I'm going to go, that's going to be the first thing I tell, tell my wife when I get home and be like, you won't believe this. <laughs> I'm really glad to bring you that joy. <laughs> do you guys, do you guys think, do you guys use that around the office? Like when someone's really cool, it's like, oh, you're the sixth skill. Like, like, you... <laughs> you do um, that. <laughs> no, no, that, uh, that has not as of yet come up you know but i <laughs> i i'll try to i'll try to introduce that i'll see i'll see how it plays out um you know because the shark just has six skills but your story really you know adds yeah. that intrigue for how it how it got that six skill so why I think we need to weave that special. into the yeah 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 to work on that if it became like a company award at the annual you know conference yeah you know, like you had a sixth skill um that would i think if you say it it would hit home or people would at least laugh because it sounds funny but uh i think that would be that'd be an interesting culture item yeah yeah i'll um i'll uh i'll work on that one performance reports you rate people by the gills right exactly this is kind of a three gill job Yeah, yeah, this is a three gill job. You've only got two gill quality, so you're on the bench for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's um that really ties into sort of the the general leadership motivation that I try to go for. Yeah, <laughs> just not up to the gills there, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> 
just like complete puns like all day and just yeah. save one or two for like a board meeting or something <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah our investors are really you know they can they're we've got we have great investors they're really involved um you know i think i think i can try to work this into their everyday lives you know so even at their companies that they're you know their other portfolio companies oh. they can just is it gonna cry? yeah like this is a, you know, maybe, maybe it'll become how they evaluate other deals. Right. So it's like, oh, this is, this is really a four deal kind of company. But before you, before you get that like high <laughs> praise, you guys are going to have to be like the top performing uh, company in the fund though. Yeah. And then now, then they'll, that's the way that they will adopt it. <laughs> we're, we're on it. We're working on it. We're on our way there. <laughs> okay. So you guys have this demo self-serve thing. Is it out already? Can people go sign up for it? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, you can just go to our website and or sense.sixskill.com. Our platform is called Sense, and um, yeah, you can just sign up for it. And then for kind of the larger uh, enterprise deals or the end-to-end pieces, uh, you can just contact us. And and again, it's you know we can help build models really quickly, or you know the full tool set to to be able to build them yourselves or themselves is is there. Yeah. And if you have a project that's going downhill and it's been way too long and you're not getting the accuracy that you need from your machine learning, sounds like you guys are interested in talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, again, the, the, the king's a turnaround. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. This is great. You're fantastic. Oh, thank you. You too. I've, I've really enjoyed it. We made a podcast. How do you feel? I, I feel great. How about you? Oh, I feel amazing. I'm, I love the afternoon like podcast right now. It's like 4 p.m. where I am and just everything's like, you know, you, you get your work done like in the morning and in the, in the day and then it's just kind of like fun time, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I definitely only get my work done in the morning. That's, that's yeah. when my brain works. <laughs> Me too, so. All right, dude. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Talk soon, buddy. Bye. Yeah, bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.